0: I didn't come the whole way here from Pennsylvania just to fill you with a bunch of information. My main burden is so that you learn what it is to walk in the Spirit. Some of you have asked me, do you want to be called John or John Michael? You know, Michael is my middle name. And I don't care if you call me John or John Michael. I might even respond if you say, hey you. I'm not sure. <laughs> but... Uh, the reason I'm called John Michael is my father's name was also John. My father passed away about a year and a half ago with sar- because of sarcoma cancer which is a very aggressive cancer and uh, he was diagnosed and within three months he was gone. Now, I had to think of my dad as I heard the brethren share in the different sessions my mind went back as I was sitting here and hearing the word of God being preached and taught. The purity of the word. My mind went back to one of the last times that my father called me on my cell phone. His body was wearing out and he was laying there in bed one Saturday night and I was scheduled to preach that Sunday morning and I said, "Dad, I want to stay home with you tomorrow." because I said, I don't know, this might be the last Sunday that I'll be able to spend with you. He said, son, you go preach. It's your turn to preach. He said, you go preach. I went up that morning to his house. They lived right beside us. And I uh, told him that I'm going to church as he wished. So I left with my family, and we were just about at church, my cell phone rang. And it was my dad. I could hardly hear what all he was saying, but he said, Son, I love you. Preach the Word. It is truth. And that's why I'm here this week. It is truth. I'm not here telling or sharing with you out of the Word of God something that man made up. It is the Word of God. It is truth. And that's why I was willing to come this week to present the truth to you as young people, as children of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be presenters of the truth wherever you go. It's truth. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, how do you know it's truth? Well, I hope as we go through this of teaching of the Walk, walking in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit giving us guidance that you will understand that there is a God that does care about you. I thought of the two teams that you had last night for the icebreaker and uh, I was not on any of those teams and after you were done with the second one, I almost offered <laughs> to be that person so that I would know what it is to experience that if someone standing next to me and telling me this way and this way, and then they hear some voices saying that's not the right way. But I didn't know you well enough. <laughs> I didn't have the courage. I'm sorry. I should have probably just said, because sometimes when ministers are willing to do some things like that, it, it does develop a relationship. So um, I just uh, wanted to, to just, just lift that up. <clears throat> There's two words here that I have on the board. Exegesis and Jesus." How many of you know what those words mean? There's a few of you. Okay. Who would like to tell me what exegesis means? Uh, the examining or the opening, up the, the opening up of the scriptures. Another word that we could use is export. I understand in the community here there's a lot of hay that is farmed that is exported to Japan. Now, when it comes to the word exegesis, it means that you are taking something and pulling it out of something. And that's what it is when we study the Word of God. We are to use this word exegesis, which means we pull out from Scripture and then we learn from it, which gives us the applications to go through life. That's what exegesis means. Now, he would like to give me a definition of eisegesis? Okay. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I think I know what it means, it, Okay. It's like, the, uh, like the instilling of meaning into a word. It, that's very good. I said Jesus means instead of pulling out, you're putting something in. Okay? Now, the reason I brought this, or exp- that I'm explaining these two words, is because as we study the Holy Spirit, some of you probably have preconceived ideas. Of what the of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works. I want you to lay down all your your pre I'm going to say preconceived ideas of what it means to walk in the Holy Spirit and we want to look at Scripture and pull out from Scripture what the Holy Spirit does in, in your life and in my life. Our tendency and a lot of churches, even little Kutztown that I'm a part of, we fall too often into the Jesus realm where we have our idea. we got all our theology. And I challenge you the next time, young men, that you have a devotional. Don't think of an idea and then go to Scripture to try to find support for that idea. That's what Jesus is. And we do that. Oh, i got a good thought here. And I'm going to... I'm going to, and we flip through the Bible this way, that way, we get concordances out, and we get word studies, and you know, somewhere the Scripture has to say this, because this is what I believe. That's what it means to be eisegesis. But I want you the next time, young man, when it's your turn to share with a group of people, and even in your own study, your own personal study, is that you take the Scripture, and you pull out from the Scripture what it means, and that... That's hard work. That's why we have a tendency of doing this. Because in order to be exegesis in in our studies, we need to find out what the context is, what this verse means, how it compares to the other verses in that portion of Scripture. And it it takes work. And if you're like me, we get a little lazy. And another thing I don't want you to do... is I'm preparing for devotional and I'll get all the commentaries out and I'll put them here and here and here and, oh, I wonder what Matthew Henry says about this or, or uh, you know, other, you know, con- well, I, I do use the Strong's Concordance and, you know, to know the meanings of the word in the Greek. But lay that all aside. When you get the Word of God and study it, it's God speaking to you Lay all your ideas to the side and keep the commentaries closed. That's what it is to study the Word of God. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a story, and it's not a true story. Is it okay if I tell you a story that's not true? I'm not a big fan of fiction. I don't know. When I, when I get a book first thing i do is this true <laughs> are you that way too i want to know i even have i even picked up a book one time and i was being so blessed by this book of how the christians were being persecuted and everything and and all of a sudden i realized that something doesn't quite match here and i looked into the on the back cover and it said it was fiction now it it was good for me to study i mean to read it it was challenging me but when i realized that it wasn't an actual happening. It just did something to it. So I hope by me sharing this little story that it's not a true story, it's not original with me, and I've added some more stuff to it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm not sure where, where, where you're going to put all this, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing it as a way of showing to you, there, there is a point, and, and you will see as, I'm, as I go through this story a little bit, there was this village that farmed by hand and one day they were given a tractor. And nobody took the time out to really explain to them what this tractor, tractor did. They got this tractor and they knew how to start it. There was some implements that came along with this tractor. And they started the tractor, they figured out how to start the tractor. Some pulled the tractor and some pushed the tractor. The engine was running, and they pushed it over to the plow, and they helped the plow to it. And some pulled and some pushed, and they tried to plow, and they kept plowing. And this was hard work. They only went a short distance by evening. They thought, well, next day we'll do the same thing. So they got the plow out, the tractor, and they kept pushing this tractor. Some pushed, some pulled. They began to realize that if they're going to get a crop that year, they're going to have to now get the disc out. This field was not finished at all. But they realized that if they're going to get a crop at all, they're going to now have to quit plowing and get the disc out. So they pushed and pulled and got the disc hooked to it. And they went down through the area where they had plowed. After a while, they realized, you know, we'd better get to planting. So they got hooked up to the planter and they pushed and pulled and finally got some corn planted. The corn grew and there was a harvest, but it was just so enough for them to survive the season till the next crop came up. And they did this year after year. Let's say it went 10 years. Let's say it went 12 years. They barely got the crop in in time. They barely had enough of harvest. Just so it kept them alive. They had nothing for anyone else. Ralph, the mechanic, one night he was faithful. He changed the oil on that tractor (laughs) every so many hours. One night, Ralph was was uh, changing this oil, and he decided he's going to get up and see what this one gear shift, what what this is up there, and uh, I'm going to call it a gear shift, and I'm going to say it was a hydrostatic, you know, move the front and f- backward. He got on this tractor and he decided he's going to just move this lever a little bit, see, see what happens, and the tractor started on its, on its own. And he thought, well, they were just ready to start plowing for, the, for that next planting. So he hooked to the plow, and he put the plow in the ground and moved this lever, and it just plowed. And this was towards evening, and he thought, well, if it's this easy, I'm just going to keep plowing. The next morning the people got up and the whole field was plowed. And they came to Ralph and they said, Ralph, what did you do? How did you do it? He said, I found a lever. That year they planted corn and they had an abundance that they were able to share with the next village and the next village and the next village. And year after year, they were having a harvest beyond what they needed for themselves. Now, why did I tell you a story like that? Does it make sense? When we're talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit, in our churches sometimes, we pull and we push and try to get some tillable ground. And we try to plant. When God is saying, You have the Spirit of the living God within you. Why are you not dependent upon Me? Because I have called you to do more than just for your own self. I have given you the Spirit within you so that you can walk and be a blessing to others. It's not for you to just keep to yourself. And like that village, they had the working of the Holy Spirit in their life and that was more of a material way, but when it came, comes to the spiritual way, that God was able to use them and they were to bless the next village and the next village. How about us as the people of God? Is that what we're doing? Or is this just something that I push and I pull and I try to be a Christian and I try to do good and I try to do this and I try to do that and it just doesn't seem like I'm getting anywhere? Maybe you're like those village people. You haven't found the, the right gear shift, I guess I could say. Maybe you're not understanding what it is to experience the Holy Spirit within you. And I appreciate it very much, Brother Dennis and Brother Luke, as they you know, have expounded on the Holy Spirit and also in First John there. Laid a very good foundation for the week. I'm blessed. Now, I just want to take us into what it means to walk. I was observing Joe and Melanie's little grandson uh, Saturday evening. He's learning to walk. And he got out there in the middle of the floor, and all of a sudden he fell. And he started crying. Well, later on in that evening, I didn't just see him sit on the chair the rest of the evening because I fell. He soon was up again and trying this. So it is when we walk with the Spirit. There's a learning relationship that we have to have with the One that gives us the Holy Spirit. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, the first account that we see about the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to bear with me. I do wear glasses when I read. I have a prescription ordered and I'm supposed to get some of these... uh, these glasses I don't have lines in and they tell me it's a little hard to get used to using them. So I'm sorry that I'm going to be pulling these things off and on and, and I hope it's not a distraction. But I'd like to use this as a motto for the whole sessions that I'm sharing on the Holy Spirit of walking with the Holy Spirit. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. Now realize that God created the world. It says He created the heaven and the earth. Some other, we could say that He created uh, space. He created matter. And then He took this matter and this this, uh, earth that He had created and started bringing order to it. And that's what I would like to stress to you today is the Spirit of God was involved with this. And remember this, wherever the Spirit of God is, there's unity. It's hard for us to get our mind around that sometimes because we have seen that, that churches have... There's not unity among the people of God and we wonder sometimes, God, where is Your Spirit? Never lose sight of of the fact that when the Spirit of God comes upon something that's chaotic, it brings order. And that's what the Spirit of God did. Even though that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and He created the night and created the day. So I just want to use that as a motto through this uh, five sessions that you understand that the Spirit of God is not a divisive person. The Spirit of God unifies the people of God. And we see the opposite happening. And some are saying, well, the Spirit of God is sure doing a poor job at this. No, it's not the Spirit of God's problem. It's us as individuals of allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. Because we don't know how to walk with the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to allow Him to give us direction. So I want to just emphasize that, that where the Spirit of God is, there is unity. I shared that one time and with someone personally, and he said, well, what, what really is happening among the people of God? And my response to him was, somebody's not minding the Spirit. I'm not saying we all have to be alike, and uh, uh, that everything, when, when, when I talk about unity, I'm not saying that we all have to dress alike, that we all have to have the same applications. I'm not talking about that. We don't understand what unity is other than that sometimes. When there can be unity, even though there's different churches having different applications. For instance, I had to ask them to bring me a timepiece. We don't wear watches at Little Kutztown. And I've seen a lot of you have watches. Does that mean that we're not unified? No, we can be unified even though I don't wear a watch and you wear a watch. I want you to know that if your ministers show up in our congregation and they have a watch on, they'll still be asked to preach. You know, even though we have an application. So what I'm saying is not everything that we look at as unity is the way God looks at unity. God looks looks at it in a different perspective than what we do. I'm sure Brother Nathan, he was the one that I would know the best here of you young men. I'm sure Nathan and I agree on a lot of things, but there's probably some things we don't agree on. I don't know. We didn't get there yet. But, uh, <laughs> but what I, I'm using that as an illustration that, you know, we can share hearts, but he probably has different applications than I do, but we can still be unified as brothers. I was blessed to see him again, you know, to be able to, to, uh, to, to be unified that way now I have another diagram here on the board or I have a diagram I should say that I like to use I I told Brother Joe, I said, I realize I'm supposed to be speaking on the walking in the Spirit and about blasphemy, and I said, I'm not even sure if I'll get to blasphemy. I have a tendency of, of dwelling on the foundation, and, and, and some of that's good because I want you to get the foundation before we start talking about some of the things that we can do, like grieving the Spirit and, and uh, other things that we will look at. I'd like to show to you how you were created, God created you in a marvelous way. We're not going to uh, talk a lot about our, how our bodies function and all that, but I'd like to give you an illustration here that has helped me that I wish that I would have known when I was a teenager or a young person in my 20s to understand how, this, how, how God created me and how the Spirit of God works through an individual and how Satan works through an individual. Let's turn to John. I'm sorry, to Genesis, the same book that you're in. and uh, Well, first of all, I'd like to talk a little more about who this Holy Spirit is. Our brothers did share about that. One of, the, one of the things that I also want to mention is no matter what subject that you're studying for, the book of beginnings, which is Genesis, you can usually trace a lot of things that you're studying back into the book of, Found- uh, book of Genesis to get your foundation. And that is why we're here in the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. Now, God created the world. There's a capital G. We saw that in verse 1. Verse 2, it talks about the Spirit of God, which has a capital S. And then we go down to uh, verse 26. It says that, let us. Now, who is the us? God said, let us. God didn't say, I am going to make man. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The us there is is, uh, referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And like we heard this morning that the Spirit always was and so was the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is saying, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, we were talking about the finger of God The Bible has a lot to say about the hand of God and we're created in His likeness. So do we look like God? How does God look? God is a spirit and and yet at the same time it says we're made in, in His likeness. One of the things that I believe that we're made in His likeness and this is important to remember as we talk about walking in the spirit is God wants a relationship. God loves to be around people. He loves to be around the very creatures that He created, the, the you and I as individuals. After God created all the animals and all the, the beautiful trees and everything, you know, He could have said, I'm done. But He didn't. He said, let us make man in our own likeness, in our own image. There needed to be something more than just the trees and the cows and the dogs and everything that went along with creation. God wanted a relationship with someone. And that's why He created man in our likeness. And I, I wish in some ways that I could have been Adam before he fell. But then I reminded myself the other day that I am as a, as a child of God, I have that relationship restored. And I thought that would really be interesting to be in the garden, no weeds, no, uh, no hard work. <laughs> and uh, here comes God in the cool of the day, and I could communicate with Him. I thought that would really be, wouldn't that really been interesting? But you know, God has made a provision that you and I can have that experience today as we communicate with Him. And that's what we're talking about, being filled with the Spirit. He puts His Spirit within us, which is He Himself. Actually, when we, <clears throat> as the Spirit is giving me words to say, it's actually God just using my body to share with you what He once shared. Because He's living within. It's a personal thing after our likeness. But then there was a fall that took place, and man had to, to leave the garden... But I'm so thankful that we can have this relationship with him. Now, let's go to chapter 2. And we're going to look a little more in detail about this man that he created, which is you and I. In 1 Thessalonians, you don't need to turn to this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the writer is saying that we may preserve our spirit, soul, and body until the coming of the Lord or until the, end of your, uh, until the end of the world. Now, we're created, and I'm going to use this diagram, and I'm going to do it, and I'm sure there's different ways that you have seen it drawn out. I'm not saying this is the only way. But we have our body, our soul, and our spirit. That's a capital, I mean a small s, not a capital S. And I want to show to you how God works versus how Satan works. When it comes, we are a threefold being. Now, each one of these is actually also threefold. And the first one we like to talk about has to do with our body. What is your body made out of? I know you're going to say dust, but more than that. I'm sorry? Cells. cells. Yes, we're made out of cells. I guess we would call that our flesh, right? Okay. Sorry? Water. Okay, well, let's talk about flesh. What else do you have? Bones. 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 That's right. We have bones. Wouldn't it be something if we wouldn't have bones? We just, <laughs> that's what would happen to you. You would collapse. So God knew what he was doing. He made us out. of So we have flesh and bones. What else do we have? Blood. blood. That's right. Flesh, bones, and blood. Now, I, when it comes to the soul and the spirit, sometimes it's a little hard to, do, to, to, to decipher as you look at Scripture. <laughs> I see some gritting back there, especially us preachers. Sometimes when we speak on certain verses, sometimes it's a little hard to say if, if he's talking about the spirit of man or the soul of man. But let's talk about our soul. Our soul is also threefold. You want to, does anyone know what that is or should I just give them to you? Mind, will, and emotions. Wow, you must be all booked up on this. <laughs> our emotions, our mind, and our will. Now, our spirit is also threefold. You have those three? Anyone? That intuition or, or communion, yeah, communion would be our desire for to worship something, I should say, or intuition. Now, some for some reason, it seems like uh, ladies are more prone with this one than some of us men. The women's intuition sometimes is a lot better than us men, but I'm not spelling this right. Intui, intuition. And then we also would have the conscience. conscience. <clears throat> okay, let's go to chapter 2. And I want to show you something. When He created man. He made man out of the dust of ground. And all three of these are talked about in this portion of Scripture. It says in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay, he formed man out of the dust of the ground, which is your body here. And it says he breathed into man the breath of life, which is the spirit of man, and man became a living soul. That is why, and when I I talk about the breath of God, and that's an interesting study uh, sometime for you, is to study about the breath of God. Uh, When God breathed into man the breath of God that came from him, it created a desire to commune with something or to worship something. So when you find yourself in India and you see a group of people that are worshiping a cow, I want you to know, don't down them for worshiping something. They're just worshiping the wrong thing. They are counting on you to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something within man that God has put there. Even in some countries, they study or they worship the stars. They worship the moon. They realize there's something that they need to worship. That's God-given. It's just that they need to be told about Jesus and about God and who God was that created them. Our intuition is the deciphering of our... of of God's uh, communion with Him. These words are very close. And then we have the conscience. Our conscience, as you're sitting here and as you heard the Word of God preached today, your conscience is either giving you a green light or it's giving you a red light. And I pray that if you're having a red light where you don't have a clear conscience that you will have that green light before you leave this week, or even today yet, because we have no promise of tomorrow. So your conscience is working. Your conscience is telling you. So when it comes to those in other countries that are worshiping something, God is counting on you and I, as we walk in His Spirit, to be the ones to go tell them. And we will look at that later on when we talk about evangelism. I think it's on Thursday. You know, of getting out and telling others about the good news of what has all happened to us. You love talking about, you know. I don't know if some of you like green tractors better than red tractors or what, but we can get excited about many different things. I don't know if it's Amway or Metaluca or whatever. You can all get all excited about, right? But then some of those same people, when you get them on the subject of Christianity, or what's your walk with the Lord? Why? Why? I want you to know if you're selling Amway, fine. If you're selling Metaluca, that's fine. I'm not against that. I'm just saying, I'm just using that as illustrations to show to us that we can get excited about many things. Maybe it's a car, pickup, whatever. But you know, in light of eternity, they're nothing. So why are you all worked up about it? Or maybe you don't have that problem on the West Coast. (laughs) We do back east. We do back east. Okay, God works this way. And we will see this as we go throughout the week. God, we're going to we're going to put God up here. God communes with our spirit which affects our soul and is evident through our body. Satan works exactly the opposite. Satan We'll put him down here. Satan in James says, every man is tempted when? When he is drawn away with his own lust. Okay, Satan, all the temptations that you're faced with is usually through your eyes, your ears, touch, your senses. And we'll look at that. That's exactly how Eve fell. She allowed Satan. If she would have kept the communion and would have been more concerned about when God came walking in the cool of the day, about that relationship, she wouldn't have given in to the Satan, the serpent. But Satan works the opposite way. God told Adam and Eve that they can eat of all the trees. Supposing there was 40 trees in the Garden of Eden. I don't know how many trees they could eat off of. But God made it specifically plain to them, you can eat of all the trees except this one. Where did Satan come with his temptation? To that one tree. That's how Satan comes to you as young people. He doesn't say to you, yeah, but look at all the 39 trees I can eat from. His temptations as He comes to you, He makes it look like, you know, God is depriving you of something because of this one tree. He doesn't approach and say, you have really a blessed opportunity of eating from the other 39 trees. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come to you with His temptations and say, you know, you're really blessed. You're among a godly people. But He'll come within a subtle way and say, you know what? They don't know what they're talking about. They should be able to do that. Ah, you can handle it. That's how Satan comes. He comes in a subtle way. So remember, as you live your Christian life for the Lord, remember the 39 trees that you can eat from freely. But there's one tree you don't eat from, and that's the things of the devil. Worldliness. Satan... And I tell different people this. Satan does not love you. He just doesn't want God to have you. He's not a loving being. He was a beautiful angel at one time. He was created by God. And yet he said, I'm going to become like the Most High. And he was cast out. And what? One-third of the angels with him. Scripture says it by his tail. Took one-third of the angels with him. He doesn't love anybody. He's out to destroy. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to make havoc out of your life. Now God <clears throat> we want to talk about this will a little bit. God did not make you a robot. God gave you the choice of who you're going to serve. We are free will creatures. And I know there's people that will say, well, you don't have an option, whether you can be a Christian or not. It's only the elect. But as I see Scripture, the invitation is for whosoever will can come and drink freely of that fountain of life. And when it comes to our will, sometimes our emotions get so caught up in things. And our mind does spins and we're trying to figure things out. If you're finding yourself that way and wondering, you know, who really is true or who, you know, with all the Christendom across the United States, the Western world, I hear this voice. I hear that voice. Who is? And, you know, who, who is right? And our mind gets to churning and, and our will, we're not sure and we become so emotionally involved. I just want you to know that God wants you to commune with Him through your spirit, through the Holy Spirit, into a relationship with him, remember, we God works this way, Satan works that way. Oh, well, let's read these verses. I've got to talk about these. Genesis chapter two. Or right, I guess we're ready for verse uh, chapter three. We did talk about the creation of man. Well, I've got to say this. Um, Adam was all by himself after all the animals were named there was not even a help meet for Adam so he created a woman and we see the marriage the relationship between Adam and Eve now I have four daughters I don't know what it's like to raise a son and I have two son-in-laws and I I've been blessed with some very daughters that have appreciated their father very much. And I feel honored, not because of what I've done, but they have a good mother. I didn't tell you my wife's name, I think, last night. Her name is Joyce. We have four girls, Janisa, Joelle, Jerlyn and Jaylene. We're the family of six J's, John, Joyce, and the four girls. And I I remember, I'd love to have my wife and my two youngest along. And uh, as you get older and you have grandchildren, sometimes you like talking about your grandchildren too, you know, but I have three grandsons. Um, I know a lot about girls. (laughs) (laughs) And fellas, if you wonder sometimes why girls think a little different than boys, I might be able to answer some of those (laughs) questions. But I want you to also know, girls, that I used to be a boy at one time. <laughs> and I know how boys think. So God did not create both sides here. God did not create... God has created you differently. And he has done it for a purpose because Adam needed a help meet him. <laughs> Your minds are spinning, Right? <laughs> <laughs> Adam needed a help meet and I realized we want to do wonders for the Lord I, I have sensed uh, as I'm getting older that there is almost a higher standard by some people in their teaching to, to not get married and do wonders for the Lord in, Amer- uh, in Africa and other places and people are getting older and, and I'm saying well now wait a moment you know the Bible also lifts up marriage one man, one young man told me one time, he said, John, I don't want you to tell me that. I said, why not? Well, he said, drag a wife around and, and uh, my, my children. He said, "I, yeah. I said, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So there is a difference between male and female. And God created men to be leaders. And I get into some church settings where the men are not the leaders, the ladies are the leaders. And I say, whoa, men. Something's wrong here. If you're not doing your responsibility, this side will lead out. I know we can sometimes look at ladies and say, wow, she's really out of place. Well, maybe she is, but what about the other male on her that she's responsible to or whatever? We were at, I was at a, another youth function one time where they had a volleyball game going, and they said, okay, pick your teams. Everybody real quiet. And a girl steps forward and starts picking the teams out. I told those young people, and that's I was ready for them the next session. I said, this afternoon when you play volleyball, I said, young men, you step forward and pick the team. And that's exactly what happened. They they didn't want to. But God created you, young men. And you're wondering, how does this all have to do with walking in the Spirit? I'm I'm getting there. Um, God created you with... With to lead women were taken from the side of, of Adam, and this they want to serve. And if we don't lead, they will lead because they, their desire to serve is so great that when you do not take your responsibility, they will want to be that servant and they will want to fill in the gap where young men are not standing up for what's. God-given boldness for the Gospel. So I don't know what we'll be faced with this week here, but young men, lead out. Not in a bold way, or I can do it, or look who I am, look how. No. I'm talking about a meek, a godly spirit because the ladies on this side are counting on you young men. And that applies to any church. Or any youth group. God wants us to, to uh, lead out. And when we are in our responsibility, and this goes in homes, this goes in church life, this goes when we do what God has ordained us to do or created us for, you will see a quiet and a meek spirit coming right along behind you. It's a blessing. God's way always works, it's true, it's the Bible. Well, because Adam was not the leader he should have been, Eve, Eve fell first, then Adam. And I, I wonder sometimes, and I've heard different people explain it different ways, but I've wondered sometimes, where, where was Adam in all this? Was he really that weak? Couldn't have he said, Eve, we're not supposed to take of that. But he didn't she gave to him and he also ate. But let's look at how Satan came to her. Verse 6 of chapter 3, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Oh, it was good for food. What part of this person was that? When she saw it was good for food, was it her spirit? Or was it her body? Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, it was pleasant to the eyes. Was that the spirit? That was the body, her eyes. Now, the next one. Where does that one fall? To make one wise. Right? Yep. She wanted to be wise. Do you ever want to be wiser than the boys and the men? Sure you do. Sometimes. But remember. Um, am I making myself clear of the difference between how Satan works and how God works? Because that's the very important for the foundation as we, walk, as we talk about walking in the Spirit. Because when we walk with the Spirit, it is in competition to the body. There's this battle between right and wrong. The Bible talks. We talked about eating. The Bible talks about gluttony. Overeating. I had a minister tell me one time, I don't know if you have smorgasbords out here or not. You have smorgasbords? Okay. He said, I don't think a Christian should set foot in a smorgasbord. And I... I was young, not married. I thought, wow. Why would he say that he should not set foot in a smorgasbord? I can control my eating. But then he went on to say that you're among those that can't. I thought, oh, OK. And he said, how many of you eat? You think, oh, I paid nine ninety-five, And I'm not quite sure if I'm there yet with everything that I eat. I'll just go back for another dollar's worth. That's how we think. We overeat, but the gluttony is in competition. The alarm goes in the morning. Do you use a snooze button? Ah <laughs> uh, roll over i got another 10 minutes or whatever it's set for. But you know you need to get up and spend time with God. Who's in control? It has helped me. And I want you to know that you're not looking at someone that has been always successful in this. I'm still learning. But I have made it in my thinking that just as, I, as if I would make an appointment with Brother Joe, that I'm going to meet Brother Joe at 6 o'clock somewhere, I'm going to do all I can to meet him same way it is when we have our personal devotions with the Lord. It's an appointment. Here I am, Lord, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever time, 7.30. have to be a little gracious for some of those that might want to sleep in a little longer. But that's We need to... This body gets in the way. We will see that as we look at the blasphemy and different things that that we have that we're going to be. And I'm going to combine, actually... um, I wanted to get into the blasphemy a little bit, but we will not not get there. But I do want to... I think I have about five minutes yet. I do want to talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You hear a lot about relationships today, interpersonal relationships. There is... um, Seminars that you can go by, go to that talk about interpersonal relationships. There's organizations if you're having a marriage problem or church problem or whatever, you go there and you, and you find answers. And I'm not saying that I'm opposed to that, but many times there's somebody that's not having a relationship with God, either male or female, or even in the church. The Spirit of God is within us. Our focus should be on our relationship with the Spirit. And then as we look at these things about quenching the Spirit and uh, grieving the Spirit, it has to do with relationship. Just like we're concerned about our relationship. When a young man starts courting a girl, he is very concerned about their relationship. She, he doesn't want to grieve her in any way. He doesn't want to quench the love that they have for each other. And they'll do anything. They'll open the car door. They'll do anything. To, and then after they're married, a lot of that quits. And why? Well, yeah, you can answer that. <clears throat> but we, we, we have a lot of emphasis on relationships. And that's good. But first of all, let's talk about the person's relationship. Uh, I've been asked different times to sit down with a couple. And, and they're one saying their side and the other saying the other. And, and, and I just finally say, wait a moment. I don't need to hear all that. First of all, tell me what your relationship is like with the Lord. And most times, either neither of them have a good relationship or something. That's the gauge. Our relationship. The Spirit of God is put put inside of us. And we will look at some scriptures uh, next time pertaining to that. But there should be a difference. Shouldn't there be a big difference between somebody that has the Spirit within them and someone that doesn't have the Spirit within them? Shouldn't there be a big difference? Sure there should be. Now, I was ordained a number of years ago and I was at a minister's conference where a minister stood up. He said, brethren, I want you to know not everyone in your church is full of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, where's he headed with that? He said, "We, it's true. We take a person at their verbal expression. But he said, not everyone is understanding what it is to be born again. I didn't know quite where to put that, but as I have observed people, we take them at their word. You know, yes, we do see a changed life, but after a while we're not quite sure where where they are spiritually. There should be a big difference. You should know when someone becomes born again, when someone has the Holy Spirit within them, you should know that they're a different person. That's why the Bible talks about the old man and becoming new, a new creature in Christ. That's what that means. You're not the old person you were anymore. You're not that grump. You're not that one that is always complaining and negative. Because you now see through different eyes. The Spirit in the Old Testament was given to certain people. You can go and spend time. It talks about the Spirit of God was upon them. Or the Spirit of God came upon them. Or the Spirit of God came. In the New Testament, the Spirit is given to all of God's people. However, Paul saw had the Spirit, but then God pulled His Spirit from him and Saul didn't even know he left. I asked one congregation one time, if the Spirit of God left this church, would you even recognize that He left? What about you and I? If the Spirit of God would leave you, would you even recognize that the Spirit isn't there anymore? You should have such a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to be concerned as we go through the next thing about blasphemy, as we go about quenching and and evangelizing and things like that, I just want to make sure before I leave the end of this week that you are experiencing the Holy Spirit within your life and that He's alive and that you're letting Him function. And I mentioned about how the Spirit of God working with our spirit is actually in contrast to the body. Brother Nathan, we've used your account different times this morning of what you shared and I'm going to use it again. What that young man is going through, John, he said his name is, it's contrary to what his body wants. And maybe sensing a call of God to Iraq and places like that. But sometimes God says, I'm going to put you through some suffering. And I don't understand all that except I know suffering purifies a person. You see that in Scripture. Suffering purifies. So when you go through suffering, don't Say, oh, what's wrong with me? Accept it and say, Lord, I'm willing to go through it. My dad, I'll do this, say this in closing. My father not only taught me how to live, but my father also taught me how to die. When my father was diagnosed and we were in that office and the doctor said, Mr. Nault, you have sarcoma cancer. And we didn't know anything about sarcoma cancer. My dad just said to the doctor, what, what type is it? He said, it's an aggressive type. He said, I have no um, word is, it's in your vital organs. And he said, I, I, I give you no chance. My dad's head went down. Sitting on the examination table, I'm sitting on one chair, my mother's on another. My mother breaks down crying, sorry. My dad looks at me and he said, son, whatever God wants me to go through. And I looked at him and I said, dad, I'm going to be there through with you to the end. I took care of my dad. I'm the type that I can't stand a lot when it comes to someone being sick or uh, that. But I was able to take care of my dad as if I had never had a problem. It's true. Son, preach it because it's true.